Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the 1970 Podcast. I'm your host, Ed, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mark Damon. Mark, how's everything on your end going? Um, really, really all right. Um, enjoying this second half. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, we're watching this during the second half of PSG, uh, PSG versus Angers, so we might interject some... Uh, <laughs> you know stuff from that game into this but um you know what doing all right it's good it's october already it's it's crazy league is coming up we'll talk about that too a lot to get to it is decorative gourd season that is for sure and as mark said we are watching Angers psg are currently up 2-0 the second half just kicked off and so if if Angers comes back we may you might hear some screaming but for right now things seem to be going pretty well you had that florenzi volley what a goal that was and then you had neymar scored his uh first goal of the season which is kind of hard to believe we're a few uh, games into the season already so um do you want to talk about their performance so far in that first half and we can relate that back to what we've seen so far uh the season and and it seems like the team has really done a 180 we started off with those two losses the team was playing like crap where it wasn't scored any goals and now we've rattled off a few wins the goals are coming so is this Tuchel got things together is it the players needed some rest what are you seeing from this team right now well it's clearly better I mean it would be I think we're going to see a goal here yes we are so Neymar just scored his second goal so yeah this is better than it clearly was um I think PSG have gotten a little bit healthier they've gotten a little bit you know they've worked their way into shape a bit. I still think that the problems are there and we'll kind of talk about that as we go, but you know, you can't really complain. This is, that was a great start to the second half. It looks like, you know, we're, we're finding out some interesting things. Let's see. He's on side. That's good. Um, Julian Draxler's playing well. Um, they, they've, I think he's starting to figure it out again. He's in a contract year. So I think he knows he's got to, you know, pick up a bit of the pace. Um, Mbappe and Neymar have been really good the last couple of games. I think they're starting to pick up their stride. And it just feels like this team's finally getting back into rhythm. And it, it, it's funny because I, I think, you know, they clearly have the players. Like, they have the players to be able to go out here and perform like this on a weekly basis. But you see that, it's still sometimes really hard for this team to score. And that was really the problem with the first, you know, couple weeks of the season that this team just struggled to score. And you go through the list of the, of games here, you had zero against Lens, uh, one zero against Marseille, one against Mez, three against Nice, two against Reem, uh, Rhymes. And now three against Angers. So they haven't had that game where they've really sort of blown a blown a team out or really taken advantage of all the opportunities they've had. It's very much been a slog all the way through. And again, this game looks clearly better and clearly they're figuring some things out, but I still see that the issue, the underlying issue is still there. Cause what we learned from that Bayern Munich Champions League final, you learn two things. One, they needed a genuine person that actually knew how to play right back, and it seems like they have one. I wouldn't put Firenze in the top 10 right backs in the world list. Boy, he's looked good so far, though. He's looked really good. 
he has. He's looked really solid, and he he knows he's he's a right back. Like it's 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 clear when you have a guy there that can play that position, that knows how to make the runs, that knows how to put the crosses in, that knows where to be defensively. Like that's that makes a difference. And the other thing that we've learned from that Bayern game is that. If Neymar and Mbappe aren't scoring, if they're not on, it's really hard for this team to create chances. It's not even so much the goals. It's just the lack of being able to create chances. And, you know, that that to me is the concern. That's the red flag. And you, you look at the way this team has developed under Tomas Tuchel, they've gotten much better defensively over the last two-plus years. But one place they've regressed is they don't seem to be as efficient offensively. Yeah, they, they need a better offensive coordinator. They don't seem to be able to put those chances away at the same sort of rate. I don't have the number in front of me, but I think that this team probably, again, when was the last time PSG went this long without scoring four goals in a game? Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it is it is promising. We've got three goals. Probably more going to come against Angers. Against Reims, we had two. PSG scored three against Nice. So the goals are starting to come. You haven't had that big blowout, but maybe that's a case of maybe League One is getting a little bit stronger. Um, I think there's also, and I totally agree with you, the, the weak spots in the lineup. You know, I think PSG with that Champions League run, they kind of elevated themselves. They're kind of in that upper echelon, but they're not elite status. When they go up against the Bayern Munich, it's glaringly obvious that Bayern Munich has better players in the more important positions, and PSG are just second best. They're underdogs in that kind of a game. And what we're all, and we'll get to the transfers, what we're all hoping to see is to bring in those world-class players. But, you know, they're, they're tough to come by, and they're very expensive, and we don't know really what we can afford. You know, this isn't the PSG of a few years ago where we can spend, you know, that kind of $222 million on on Neymar. So it, it's a difficult job for Leonardo, but I think another point that I'll, I'll make is that I think after that Champions League final, I mean, so much was building up to that. There was going to be a natural, like, let off, especially the first couple games of the season. You wouldn't want to see that against Marseille. It's supposed to be a rivalry, but... You know, there's going to be a little bit of a coming down. You know, you had the pandemic and everybody was away and, and quarantined. And then you saw that the players went out and partied after the Champions League final. Like, they just needed to, like, forget about football for a little bit. And unfortunately, they couldn't do that because there was a couple of games. And so I think they forgot to play football for those first couple of games of the season. And now they're like, okay, let's get it back in gear. We're back. You know, let's get let's get the season back going. Let's build towards the Champions League. So um, I think that was a little bit of a natural let off, but I totally understand your point that there are definitely some holes in this squad that need to be filled, but the core is really there. You know, that's where I disagree with people. I don't think there's that many holes. I think they have the basic starting 11. Like they have the players from like one to 14. Yeah. Like they might not have like that depth 14 through 18, but one through 14, they have players that have quality. Like, Julian Draxler's a World Cup winner. The guy was the MVP of the Confederations Cup for whatever the hell that's worth. And you have guys like Tilo Carrer, who's a solid player. Abdou Diallo, solid player. Mm -hmm. Under Herrera, you know, played in the Premier League for years, played in Champions League matches. Idrissa Gay was one of the best defensive midfielders in England during his career. Like, this is not, you know, they don't just have a bunch of scrubs on the bench. So, you know, 
like it's to me the excuse is not well they don't have the players they clearly have the players they don't have the high level Bayern Munich one through eighteen but the reason they don't have that is because you're paying some guys you playing your best players absorbent salaries. Like I wouldn't say Barcelona have a lot of depth right now. I wouldn't say no. that Real, you know, Real Madrid have a bunch of guys like 14 through 18. It's just and also a lot of it is also you envy what you don't have and I think there's a part of that to it where it's a psychology thing where oh, we should have better players. I want that player. I want that player. When you have quality players on the roster, the problem is when those top guys are not producing, this team struggles to score. Like, it's painful. Watching them try to score against Lentz or try, seeing them try to score against Marseille. Marseille, it's painful. Like, they can't create the kind of consistent chances that you want to see a team create. They don't capitalize on the chances that they're creating. And then you watch a game like this and they can't defend the back post. Like how many goals have PSG given up on the back post? Well, they just gave up one to Angers right now. (laughs) Yes. And they gave one up to Marseille on the back post. They gave one up to Bayern on the back post. How, I'm sorry for my language, but how the fuck is that not coaching? Seriously. Yeah. Like, how the fuck do you not say, if you're the coach of the team, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't be giving up the back post? And that's exactly what Bakker just did for that goal. You know, a ball into the box, back post, Bakker just didn't jump, and the Anjay uh, attacker just jumped right over top of him and, and headed it right past Nava. So it's uh, it's 3-1. I'm still not too worried, but I mean that—that's just a case right there. I mean that's your Champions League final, and that's how Bayern—you score one nil and they win. You know, it's like you cannot have those mistakes. You can't allow goals like that. You have to be stronger, especially that fundamental stuff. Just guard the back post. Watch your man. You know, keep him off the ball. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, like you said, that—that that is 100% coaching and effort too. The players have to to want it. You think a young player like Bakker should? you know, put in a lot more effort to try to make that left back spot his while uh Juan Bernard is recovering from knee surgery. It's an effort issue. I don't think they coach it. Yeah. Like Tuchel coaches. Like <laughs> I, I that's my genuine opinion. I think he's a guy that will, you know, come up with game plans for the big games, but a lot of the time it's just sort of he's gotten to this point where it's laziness. It's relying on you know, it's like I'll I'll use a basketball reference. It's like you know, it's Mike Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks. Like, you're just waiting for Giannis to score 40 points, and when he doesn't, you're in trouble. And that's a fourth goal, and that is Draxler. Hey, up. you gave him a shout out earlier in the show. I think I'm on a, a little bit of a delay, so you're you're giving me the heads up. You're telling me what's happening in the future here. Um, okay, so you have all right. Well, it it's it's good. It's all good here today. But yeah, just to make that point, like. You have to little things like defending the back post, set plays. They don't seem to run anything off corners. Mm-mm. They don't have patterns of play that you can do with anybody in the line. Like that, you can create depth by giving your players things to do, mm-hmm. and not just waiting for Neymar and Mbappe to do stuff. You have to be able to adjust. In 90 to 95% of the matches, you can 
have Neymar and Mbappe basically just take the game over if you have to. But there's that 5% of games against Bayern and Manchester City and Real Madrid where you need more than that. And it seems like the longer Tuchel has been in place, the less they've, you know, the less coached they look, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can get a little lazy when you've got those two world-class players. I mean, they're, they're two of the top five players in the world. You can, I can understand getting a little lazy and uh, just kind of relying on them. But there, there's also something to be said that Leonardo and Tuchel probably don't always see eye to eye. And I just don't know how you can have a successful club if the sporting director and the manager are kind of not really feeling each other and maybe have a different point of view. So Tuchel might be a great manager. He may have reached the Champions League final, but you know, it, it might be time to just move on. And, and that, if nothing else, just so everyone is on the same page and everyone's cohesive and has one vision, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, I, I think they've, I, I think that Leonardo's absolutely had his issues in this window. We'll talk about it. But the the issue, when you have a coach go out there and say, we don't have, we're not as good as we were last year. We don't have good enough players, which is basically what he's saying. I find that to be insulting. And it's insulting on two levels. The first level where it's insulting is that you have players on that, you know, players on that roster who you're basically saying aren't good enough. And if I'm one of those players that's, you know, waiting for the, you know, waiting for the chance to play, and all I hear from my coach is that we don't have enough good players, well, what does that tell me? You know what I mean? Like, what does Abdu Diallo think? What does Tilo Kerr think? What does a guy like Kais Ruiz think? What do, what do these guys think when the coach is going... Oh, we don't have enough players. We got to get more players. Like I hate when coaches say that because it it might be the truth, but it's completely antithetical to how a coach should behave. The coach is not the sporting director. Mm-hmm. The coach coaches the players, and I think that with you know with this situation as it is, if you're such a good coach. Shouldn't you be able to get the best out of these guys? I'm just asking the question. If you're this great coach, should you not be complaining about not having good players when you can just make good players? Isn't that how this is supposed to work? You would think. You would think, yeah. Well, you can't be in a situation where you're saying, oh, well, we don't have good players, but also I'm a great coach. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? It just you're you're contradicting yourself. Well, one place his uh, coaching acumen will be on full display is in the Champions League, and we did have the draw yesterday. So I wanted to get your thoughts about that. So PSG were drawn into Group H. Uh, joining them will be Manchester United, our old friends, Leipzig, who we we met was that in the semifinals of the Champions League, um, yep. and then Istanbul, Besiktas. I'm sure I butchered that. But Try. yeah, they'll finish last. We don't need to get their name right. So initial thoughts from you. What do you think about that draw? Very familiar foes here, other than the the Turkish clubs. I tried to say a little bit that this was a difficult group. I think it's a difficult group for Manchester United and Leipzig. Oh, 100%. This is a, this is, PSG are, 
you know, unless again a bunch of guys get hurt and it really goes off the rails, PSG are going to qualify out of this group. It's not a group of death for PSG. It's a group <laughs> of death for Manchester United. Leipzig. Yeah. They are death. PSG are the death. <laughs> yes, like, like PSG should be. They should get. I think it would be disappointing if they get less than. If they get less than twelve points out of this group, I think it would be disappointing. Mm-hmm. I think they should beat that Istanbul team twice. They should beat Leipzig twice, and they should beat they should beat all these teams. But you know, you're going to maybe tie Leipzig once, maybe lose to United once. I don't know, but I don't I don't see this being a tricky group. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Things happen, but on paper, this is not. You know, this is not a dangerous group. And when you're a team like PSG, none of these groups, none of these groups really should be dangerous. And you want some competitive matches. You don't want to just keep playing scrubs in the in the group stage. No. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather play play gives you an effort and you have to play tough games. That's not a problem. That's why you want to be in the Champions League. And I'm really excited about Manchester United. We know about the storyline with Di Maria, who... According to uh, Bolka, the backup, backup, the third string goalkeeper, he uh, said that Di Maria can't even watch Manchester United, and his wife has come out and said she hates the city. So, if there's any fans in the in the stands at Old Trafford, that could be very interesting when uh, Di Maria comes back there. So I'm really excited about that. Leipzig, who knows? I mean, a lot of their players are being mentioned in the transfer rumor mill who knows but they just seem to always churn out young talented players and cuckoo is going to be their former psg player so i there's a lot of great storylines I'm, I'm excited about it. like you said i don't want to play like Midgieland and you know locomotive moscow or whatever like i want to play some notable teams with some players and let's get after it but fully expect psg i don't know how many points they'll get but they should top this group and you know, I could see Manchester United getting bounced out. If you did have to pick a group of death here, one that you think a big team could go down, do you have one in mind? Is it, you know, Man City? Are they in trouble with Olympiacos, Porto, and Marseille? I got to look at the. Yeah. got to look at them. You've got Group F. has got Zenit, Dortmund, and Lazio, and, and Bruges. I mean, Group G, you've got Juventus and Barcelona. So you're going to have Ronaldo versus Messi. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting matchups here. That's interesting because I, I don't know those teams are. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I, if I like you know favor either of those teams to really advance through to the mm. you know to the champion to you know to advance deep. I think they both have their 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 flaws. Right. And I'm looking at it now. I think. Um, I think Liverpool might be in some trouble if they're not careful. I think Ajax and Atlanta. They they have different issues. There's different issues you have when you play them. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think not that many. Uh, that Bayern Atletico group is pretty rough. I think Salzburg is might be a little better than people yeah. think. And, and like it, it has to be out. it has to be said for Liverpool. You know, Anfield, tough place to play in Europe. But if there's if it's not a full stadium. Are you going to have those memorable Champions League nights yeah. in Anfield? I don't know. I think Atlanta could go in there, maybe steal a victory. I don't know if it's as imposing as it's been in past years. For the most part, I'm reaching because I don't think there's really any group here where there's anybody that's in deep mm-hmm. trouble. I think if you're looking at Group B, Shakhtar Donetsk, obviously, I think you would take Internazionale over them mm-hmm. to, to qualify through. 
So if we're looking at like a, a team from pot two that's in obvious trouble, I think Shakhtar was probably it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that Chelsea should be a little bit of worry mode here in Group E. You know, Sevilla, they won the Europa League. Ren, I mean, we, we know about PSG's battles with them. I mean, that that's a, a well-coached squad with a lot of good young players. I could see them making life difficult for Chelsea. Chelsea's got a bunch of new players. Thiago Silva's there. Can Frank Lampard get it all to gel together in time? We saw them against West Brom ship three goals. Now they battled back, but, you know, it's um, if they're not careful, I could see Ren and Sevilla giving them a lot of trouble in that group. I think Ren have, are going to sneak up on people. I think we're talking just the Champions League too, but I think in Ligue 1, PSG are going to have to win the next four matches, and that fifth match after that is going to be Ren. And mm-hmm. I think Ren are, a, are an actual threat. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're an actual league threat. I don't know if they're, obviously they're not favorites, but they're a threat. I think of all the teams that could give PSG trouble, I think Ren have given them trouble in the last few years. And I think that could be an interesting race. I think Ren could give them a run because they kept all their good guys for the most part. They're adding some guys in the window. Yep. That might be an interesting team. That might be, and I actually agree with you on that. I think Ren have a chance to qualify. Knowing that Sevilla loves the Europa League so much. and they, <laughs> They're going to lose on purpose just to finish third and go to the Europa League. Yeah. Um, so I think Ren have a chance here they are you know they're their first place in in league on so can't say enough about them they've got some really good young players there so that's the champions league we'll see you know how that progresses it's uh it's a it's going to be interesting uh i was looking at the calendar to see when that begins but i'm not seeing it so we'll have to update that on the website but um champions league will be here before you know it and another campaign we'll see if we can reach the final again and who knows this could be the last year with Mbappe and Neymar. We really don't know as far as that goes. But and, you know, I think that plays into the, the yeah. transfer window. That's where we're gonna go next. Exactly. By the way, we're about sixty seven minutes into this match. PSG are up four one. Fairly over. Interesting to see what subs they'll make, but they've already put Idrissa Gay on. But um yeah, this game looks like it's pretty much salted away. Yeah, so PSG are going to go ahead and win this and move up to, I believe, second place in the table. So um, after those early losses, PSG have come back, and now they're at the top of the table where they belong. But I do want to talk about transfers. So other than Florenzi, who has come in, and I guess you could throw a Cardi in. We made his loan permanent. There hasn't been any signings. And you think that there aren't that many holes. I think the midfield could definitely be strengthened. I think we probably do need a backup striker. I would, I would love to see three new faces come in, maybe two, but right now it's not looking like anybody's coming in, and PSG Twitter is is worried. I mean, there's been rumors. You got Awa from Lyon, potentially, because Arsenal can't pony up the cash for him. He's available. Deli Ali, apparently available on loan, but Tottenham's not really willing to, to deal with PSG with you know for a loan deal. Koulibaly maybe there's been a couple names but I mean do you see anything at this point happening what do you what do you make of PSG's transfer business so far um there's a few issues here I don't think that the pandemic completely threw off their plan because I think it's easy to say that PSG lost money and I think they did I think everybody lost money in that case some lost more than others but I don't think that's the central issue here. I think the central issue here 
is that when you have Neymar and Mbappe on your wage in you know on your wage bill, I think it makes it hard to really invest in other parts of the club that you want to invest in. I don't think PSG are a club. Let me put it this way. PSG are wealthy. They're very wealthy, but they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they do not have unlimited funds. Despite what people want to say, despite all the stuff about them being owned by Qatar, they do not have unlimited funds. This is not a piggy bank where you can just take a hundred million dollars out and go spend it on a player. That's not what this is. PSG are self-sustaining, but they have to make money. They have to keep a wage bill that's reasonable. And the reason they, they had to get rid of Cavani and Silva is that they, and the reason they couldn't get rid of them earlier, and this is why I, I think what Tuchel said also was really ignorant. Like, I think it was a really dumb thing to say, and it just completely misunderstands. Ooh. I think that was Adrisa Gay on a deflection goal. So good for him. Um, anywho. I think it's a complete misunderstanding of the where the team's finances are right now. And the issue really is that you can't sell players who are making 15 million euros a year in their 30s. Who's taking that contract? Who's taking Silva's contract? Who's taking Cavani's contract? Who is going to take Zlatan's contract at the end? This is not, you know, it's hard to sell high value players in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s when you don't have, you know, speakers that are willing to eat those contracts. Like everyone has to have a budget and everyone has to, you can't bring in a guy like Tiago Silva for 15 million if he's going to blow up your wage system at you know the age of 35 or however old he is that's why Chelsea got him on a free they so they can pay his salary without having to pay a transfer fee on top of it so the idea that PSG don't sell yeah that's you know that that's kind of true but there's situations around that that make it more difficult to sell these players sometimes like with Julian Draxler the player doesn't really want to leave and you can't force him to leave, especially if a team isn't willing to pay his wages. So I, I, I find it a little ridiculous for Tuchel to make that sort of insult when he, he's not stupid. He clearly knows the situation of the club. He clearly understands that a lot of the top guys in the club are overpaid. He clearly understands that it's hard for them to, you know deal with the wage structure the way it is and that sometimes you have to shed those contracts in order to get money rather than selling and sometimes those sales are hard to make you, you can make an argument that PSG should be selling their youth players more but I'm not sure that you know oh that was a you're gonna see it here that was a nasty foul yeah, I'm on a probably like a 10 second delay. I, I did see the Adrisa Gay goal, so 5 1 PSG over Angers right now. Uh, but that's apparently, an ugly tackle. Who uh, who went down? That's Neymar. That was close to a red. If he gets contact on his foot, that might be a red. That's a that's a rough looking challenge. He's all right, but that that's rough. But anywho, um, 
Leonardo is in a situation where I think you're in this devil's bargain having both Neymar and Mbappe. And it's become very clear that you can't keep them both and balance your squad the way you like. You have to choose one. And you have to choose the one that's willing to stay. <laughs> you know, like sometimes the choice gets made for you. And it seems pretty clear that if, you know, Neymar, I think, has a very good chance of staying. I think he knows that Barcelona is not a place he wants to probably be right now. And it, it, why would he go there if Messi's not going to stay? Uh, like, I think that bridge has sort of already been burned. I don't think Neymar wants to really... I, I think Neymar's the guy that makes the most sense to stay. And the question is, would Mbappe stay? And can you afford to have both of them on 50 million euro contracts? And does that make sense from a wage perspective? Does it make sense to have both of those guys taking up 100 million euros in salary? And then how do you fill out the rest of your team? Where do you, you know, go for these players? You'd have to get really lucky in your academy. You'd have to really push your academy hard. You probably couldn't keep some of the guys you already have now. Like, these are things that have to be taken into consideration. And I think serious questions have to be asked. And, you know, it might come to that point where at the end of the year, Mbappe is the guy that has to go. And you have to use that money to better balance your team. So this might be a situation where they're going to have to suffer for a year, not getting the big transfers and then use that Mbappe money, get it at the beginning of the window and really make the moves to strengthen the team as a whole and build it around Neymar. That's a legitimate thing that they have to think about. And, you know, people who are thinking that they can bring in a Milinkovic Savic or a, um, a Koulibaly, or, maybe, or Awa. Or a, or a Koulibaly. Or they just don't understand the finances of all of this. PSG aren't broke, but they definitely can't spend the money that they would like to. And it's not that, you know, and this is what I mean. It's like when, you're, when you understand the financial situation that PSG are under, and then your coach, like a, a, a complete buffoon, goes out there and says that, Oh, PSG aren't good sellers and we don't, we're not as good as we were last year. That's, that's a loser's mentality. That's how losers talk. That's not how winners talk. That's not how champions talk. And you, you, the argument, and I'll say the thing that I think Leonardo has failed with is I don't think he's had And this is an issue and I'll, I'll, I'll let you, before I get into Leonardo, I'll let you sort of, Throw your two cents in here on, on what uh, anything I've said. Yeah, so sorry, I thought you were going to keep going there. So basically, I think what people need to understand is PSG are not Bayern Munich. We can't just pillage the Bundesliga and get great players for pennies on the dollar. You know, PSG are in the fifth best league in Europe, and people know they have a lot of money, so they have to spend a lot of money to bring in these players. And they keep them, and and with in the case of Cavani and Silva, they were at the point in their career and contract that we couldn't sell them on. Okay, great, their salaries have come off the books, but we didn't get a transfer transfer fee for them. PSG's transfer dealings are just different from everyone else because they are unique. They're in a unique position, and so 
you have to kind of look at everything. You can't compare them to like what Chelsea has done this year. P- the- Chelsea has a rich owner. They're in a very wealthy league and a desirable league. PSG can't go and sign five quality players like they did. It's very difficult, especially like you were saying when they have Neymar and Mbappe on the books who are eating up a lot of the salary, plus you add in the COVID impact financially. You know, they do have the Qatar backing. They have a lot of commercial relationships and partnerships that's bringing in a lot of money. But it comes down to identifying players that can make this team better. Does that player want to come to Ligue 1, to France, and play for PSG? And then working out the finances with their team and paying the transfer fee. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And like you've said numerous times, this team is really good. So there's only so many players that can actually make this team better. And are they available? And do they want to come? It's just a lot of moving parts that I think people need to really think and look at the big picture. Well, yeah. And also, remember, PSG's TV money is not at the same level as the rest of these leagues. And I think PSG are going to get better TV. They have a better TV deal this year. That money's going to come in for the next window. So I have a feeling PSG are going to have a lot of money to spend next year. I think it, when Mbappe, and I, I'm not, I, I, it's hard to say when, because that uh, it denotes that I think this is definitely going to happen. But I'm fairly sure that Mbappe contract is going to come off the books with the money we're going to get for a transfer. I'm, I'm very skeptical that PSG would even really, you know, that that would make financial sense. And I think that might be an argument that Leonardo will have with the, with the higher ups higher than him. Cause that's going to be an issue because I think the sporting director take on this would be to sell Mbappe and make the rest of your team better and, and build up that midfield and the, and the, and the wingback positions. And that would be that, but there's a commercial side to it, and I think that the people up top are going to want to keep him. And I think they're going to want to try to convince him to stay. It comes and down I- to Mbappe, though. Just at, like Someone needs to just ask him straight up, do you want to stay here and sign for two more years, or do you want to go? We need to know now so that we can sell you to wherever you want to go and get the most money. You owe us that. Like, why can't someone just go in straight up, just ask him? I don't know why this, like, this back and forth, like, I don't know. I want to talk about it at the end of the season. Like, no, we need to know now. Otherwise, we're going to ship you out because we need to make the most money as possible. We got to rebuild our squad. Just ask him. Well, and I, but again, the, the financial part of this is, is also, you know, and, and the, the media part of this is also a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving. We talk, the, the words of the day are moving parts. <laughs> I think there's a lot of moving the Zimbabwe stuff, but it, that's, you know, for all the moving parts, that's the debate that you're going to have to have. You're going to have to keep one of them. You can't really keep both. And I think with Leonardo to kind of transition a little, I think the issue he's had in this window is they waited till the end of the champions league run. So they didn't give themselves as much time as they wanted. The Cardi deal ate up a lot of the money. And I think it was the right move to make at the time. And it was the right move to make now. I think you need that kind of guy in your lineup. Um, you needed to replace Cavani. He replaces Cavani. Um, I think they can. I think they might be able to find a backup striker at the last minute. I'm not completely shutting the door on Chupa Moting coming back to <laughs> fill that role because it doesn't seem like anyone else is really. I haven't heard any rumors of him being interested in going anywhere else. And it's not. And since he's a free agent, I don't think they have to wait till the transfer window ends. I think they can sign him anytime. And that's what I think is happening with Cavani. Cavani's just waiting. 
Like he's not interested. Doesn't seem interested in going anywhere. Um, and there's some deals that are interesting, but not blow your socks off. Like the back Yoko thing, you know, okay, but yeah. he wouldn't start for PSG. He'd be a backup, and Idrissa Gay can do that job pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonio Rudiger, like, do you mm. really need Antonio Rudiger over Diallo and Kerr? Like, does that make a lot of sense? It's not a so. huge upgrade. No. Yeah, but I, I do think there's need. There is a need to bring in some depth signings, and I think the fact that Leonardo waited a while and is sort of scrambling at the end sort of shows that. He didn't do a great job in preparing to sort of make those transfers to get those guys in. So it becomes a scramble at the end, and you generally overpay or have to bring them in on loan. And I'm not sure he did a good job in that regard, but I just don't understand people that think he's going to bring in these great players when it's just not, it's not time for that. Like, this window didn't call for it. Like, last window, they got Navas, who's become their undisputed, you know, they got Navas and Icardi in that window. They got, you know, Adrisa Gay. They got Ander Herrera, who's been a solid rotation player. They got um, Pablo Sarabia, who's struggling right now, but he's proven, you know, at times to be good. And... Julian Draxler right now is proving to be a quality rotation player again, which is better than what he was, which was not even you know worthy of getting in the rotation. So there's um, there's depth here. It's not what you want. It's not Bayern's depth, but it's depth enough. Goal number six, and it's Kylian Mbappe, the guy we're just there talking it is. about. He heard us talking about uh, selling them. He's like, I'll show those 1970 guys. Well, it's not obviously if we could keep Kylian Mbappe and make the rest of the team better, clearly we would do that. <laughs> like your ideal option. Yeah. But yeah. Being in a world here. That was a good cross. Was that Sarabia with that? Yeah, that was a Sarabia cross. That was. He heard stuff. you saying he that he was struggling. Look at that. I know. It's like they're it's like they're paying attention. Um. <laughs> But I, I, I like um, – I, I think Leonardo's the right guy. I don't think you want to keep changing sporting directors. I think if it's Tuchel or Leonardo, I'm getting rid of Tuchel and I'm letting Leonardo pick the coach he wants. I think he's proven clearly at his time at PSG that he can bring in quality players. I don't think that's like an issue for him. You know, the guy brought in Zlatan and Di Maria and Verratti and he brought in all those guys. Like – he clearly knows talent. He clearly can, you know, pick guys up. He clearly understands what a good football player looks like. And, you know, in this situation, I don't think he's done a good job at, at filling the back end of the roster. And it's going to force PSG to really rely on some academy players that maybe aren't quite ready yet. You know, yeah. guys like Fadiga and Kais Ruiz and like, it's going to force them to, to dig deep into their academy a bit to, to, to get some depth but is that a cardinal sin no and is that a situation that deserves him to be fired absolutely not Mm -hmm. because again the the situation calls for what the situation calls for yeah i think there's something to be said for a big signing 
kind of lifting spirits, you know, especially the fans, but also the players, you know, a, a big signing, a Milinkovic-Savage comes in, boosts morale. Okay, we can do this. We've retooled for the upcoming season. I feel like we need that big name. If there's someone out there that can be had, just somebody that fans can get really excited about, something new for this season. And I was just looking. I, I believe the transfer window ends on uh, October 5th, so we only have a couple more days. Maybe there's something in the works that Leonardo's working on that can bring in a big splashy signing towards the end here. I think would go a long way and just kind of lifting spirits and getting fans excited about this upcoming season because it just feels like, all right, we're going to run it back with pretty much the same players and you know, it didn't work out last year. I mean, we did get to the final, but we didn't win it. So it's like, well, it didn't work last time against Bayern Munich. If we meet them again this year, are we any better? I don't think so. We got we pretty much the same squad. I just say you can't spend money that you don't have. So there's yeah. always money in the banana stand. Yeah. And the banana stand is Qatar. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way anymore. Like that, this is a self-sustaining club. It has to. Qatar owns it, but they don't really finance it the way they used to. They don't finance it through the Qatar bank. And, right. You know, it, it's just, it's a different PSG right now. And I, again, I think they're a year away when that Mbappe, when I think that Mbappe deal will come through, I think they'll have a lot of money to spend. And my assumption is they'll probably have a new coach. Mm-hmm. So you'll have a new coach. And you'll have a bunch of money that you can spend. And I think people will be really excited about what PSG look like after Mbappe leaves because they'll, sorry, they'll bring in guys. Oh, yeah. You're going to make 250, 300 million. Yeah, you can buy quite a few players with that. And uh, you're never going to replace the the commercial and marketing aspect of Mbappe. But damn, you can build, and anyone who's played FIFA, career manager, or whatever, can, can tell you with 300 million, you can build a damn good squad. And I think you'll see, and that's why it's like, you know, with Leonardo, it's like, I want to see what Leonardo would do with that money. Mm. Like, I think he would build a Champions League winner with that money. I I believe that thoroughly. And you'll have the right coach in place, and they'll be able to make it work from there. But, you know, again, the... Good news, PSG are doing a real. They're playing a really great second half. Like they're they're piling on. This is what they should do against yeah. a team like Angers. They should beat them like this. They should beat them like this. And this is what we haven't done this year yet. And it's nice to see them do it again. Yeah, the, the their competition in France just maybe haven't feared PSG. They've seen them a little bit vulnerable and. PSG need to reassert their dominance and say, no, you will not come to the Parc de Prince like Marseille did, like that was a fluke and it's not going to happen anymore, and just start crushing teams. So love to see it. PSG well on their way. Um, I want We had a couple other topics, but we're running up all the time. So, you know, Neymar didn't get a suspension. Alvaro didn't get a suspension yeah. from Mar- Marseille. We wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I want for a second. I, I just wanted to, just to make this point because I think that – I think that this whole situation got completely out of control. I think that the rumor about it, I think a lot of stuff that it something that should have been a serious issue was sort of turned into a bit of a circus of a clown show. And I think the LFP made the right decision because you can't if you suspend them without proof, then you're basically 
basically, again, you're labeling them a racist or a homophobe or a xenophobe without any evidence. And that's really hard to do because that it, it, once you suspend them, it pretty much makes everyone think they're guilty. And they may already think that Alvaro's guilty. Maybe people think Neymar's guilty. I don't know. But I think that the situation got so muddied that it was really hard for them to really actually make a decision like that. And with Di Maria, who's out for the next four games in Lee Gun, uh, I think that's yeah. pretty much earned. We should I say for, for spitting, which I'm not entirely sure that the video footage was inconclusive, so I thought that was a bit harsh. But I think the idea that you're spitting in... You know, at, at, or maybe he came out of his mouth while he was talking. Can they? It didn't look like he like hawked a loogie and like spit it at the guy. It just looked like this little dot flew out of his mouth. I don't know how you can say you spit at him. Maybe he just was talking, had saliva in his mouth, and a little bit of spit came out. You know, there everyone's being tested. I don't. I just don't. Four games for that seemed a bit excessive. It might have been, but I I think there's a I, I do think there's a point to it. I don't think I, I don't think it's unfounded. I don't think it's absurd. I think in pandemic times, I think you have to send the message that you can't really be spitting in the direction of people. But you can like touch them and breathe on them for a corner kick and everything else. But a little bit of spit comes out of your mouth. Four games. Like I've seen people intentionally spit on other people in sports. You can tell when it's intentional. That didn't look intentional. I think it was a little bit of over overreaction. All of, like Di Maria, was, I'm sure, was tested before the game. They're not going to let him play if he has it. So like there was no chance of right of yeah I guess but, you know I'm I'm just I'm not gonna argue with the LFP on this one but anyway <laughs> I think the positive I thought Di Maria's looked a little tired lately and I think he'll be able to um, get some rest which will be which will be nice uh, it'll be nice for him to get a little rest actually. And he'll be able to play the Champions League matches, so he'll keep it. He'll keep mm-hmm. some sort of rhythm. And he, for me, he was PSG's best player last season. So, if he can take these four games, get some rest, and he's gonna play like he did last season, then maybe it's a suspension worth having. So we'll have to see. But he's the only one out of that whole melee. And PSG plays Marseille in February, I believe. So that'll be down in the um, in Marseille. So we'll see how that goes. But Mark, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you a couple questions that were sent in by our followers on Twitter. You can always follow me at PSG Talk. So this one comes in from at PSG underscore Canada. Who should PSG sign? Very simple. And I know you don't think anything will happen, but if you could just pick one player that, if money wasn't an object and you just wanted to bring them in, maybe a realistic signing, not messy or somebody, but you know what I mean. Like, what player would you like to see come in before the end of the transfer window? Um, I haven't really thought there's there's no names that really intrigue me i think there's a move or two to be made yeah um i I think there is a move or two in here somewhere that they can they can do but i i just i don't have a concrete name because it's like there's infinite amounts of names i i think people moting i think they need to figure out a way to make that work because i think he's been so solid for them i think he's done the job they've asked him to do and it feels like anybody you get for that position will be won't be an upgrade from that, but it could definitely be a downgrade. And I, I would just like to see um, I'd like to see that work out if they can make it work, honestly. 
And then defensive back, defensive back wise, I don't, I, I don't know if there's anybody that really jumps off the page at me. That's much better than what we have that you can get for a lower price. I mean, Pichu would have to sell before they could really buy anybody. And I just don't see anyone, you know, being able to be unloaded here. So not to dodge the question, but I, I don't see, I don't see it happening. I I would love to see if I could bring one player, Koulibaly, just because then you could play him and, and maybe Kempembe in the back and move Marquinhos to that defensive midfield where we saw him really have a lot of success in, in midfield. If you have Marquinhos and Variety and maybe Herrera or Idrissa Gay, then maybe your midfield is a little bit better. Milinkovic Savage is another great player. I'd love to see come in. I even kind of like Serginho uh, Dest at right back, but um, former Ajax player who's now at Barcelona. Um wouldn't have mind seeing him come in, but wasn't meant to be. So, um, no, yeah, I think you'll see, I think you will see one, maybe at the most two sort of surprise out of left field moves here. I don't think there's anything that's going to be particularly earth shattering going on, but I think you will see some sort of move here that gets made. Just because I do think there's some sort of there's some positions of depth they need to, to work on, but besides that, you're not getting a big. There's no big signing coming in here. Well, th- to that point, at real McCoy uh, thirteen wanted to know how real do you think the our uh, rumors are at Leon the midfielder? You know, Arsenal was interested in him. I think I saw a report Real Madrid. This is a player who definitely seems like he's going somewhere. Leon are just probably throwing names out there to jack the price up, but any interest there? Do you think PSG could pull that off? That'd be nice, but it doesn't exactly sound like something that we that you could bring together in, in two, three days. It seems like a deal that you kind of need to do some work on. Absolutely. And a lot of the other questions, I mean, pretty much all the questions were all transfer related. And, you know, one person at um, Valentin Boulon wanted to know how do, can we go from one of the richest clubs in the world and uh, in, in the final of the football's most lucrative competition and not be able to buy anyone in the space of a few weeks? It can't just be COVID. I think you've kind of already talked about this where you've got Neymar and Mbappe's salaries on the books and COVID does play a part. And PSG are now trying to be a more self sustaining club. You can't just, you know, run to Qatar every time you want to buy a player anymore. So PSG are trying to do things the right way at least. So that's kind of the way it is. (laughs) Yeah, you can't just go around and and buy whoever you want. So thank you, everyone, who sent in questions. Um, Mark, I think we're done. You got anything else you want to talk about? Um, No, I think we pretty much covered it. (laughs) You can find me at MarkDamon9 if you want to follow me on the Twitter the twitter and i mentioned earlier but you can follow me at psg talk on twitter and uh visit psgtalk.com we've got lots of articles our writers steve and eduardo are just churning them away you'll see all the goals from today's game uh, analysis all that good stuff you know this podcast make sure you subscribe itunes wherever you get podcasts and we'll also throw the video up on uh, youtube as well so make sure to subscribe there and uh, i think that's it that's all we've got so we'll catch you next time thanks everyone for listening Au revoir for now.